and welcome to another episode of More Than Dice. I'm Gonzo. I'm your Captain Mizzy. <laughs> uh, Kathy is away today. She is still resting up from her uh, sickness that she had, and she uh, will be back mm-hmm. next week. So we invite Captain Mizzy to come on and talk. And that is... John O. Spencer. Yeah, that's me. Hey. <laughs> also, invited is such a nice term. It's more Shanghai. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, all that stuff. All that jazz. But it's fine. So, yeah, Kathy is away for a bit. Uh, she should be back uh, next week. We make no promises because, you know, everybody heals in their own yep. time. So we're hoping. We hope that she's on the mend by then, and she's uh, can come back on and uh, hang out with us. We do she, love our Kathy. Yeah, we do miss our Kathy. Oh look, timer. Hold on one damn minute. Um. So, uh, so today's podcast we are going to be discussing. We're going to do some hobbying, talking about some paints, uh, talking about some stuff. Um. We are going to be talking about uh, responsibilities of GMs and players. Uh, especially to new GMs and new players. Um, I'm going to need Gonzo to fix that cooldown. You're going to make me go that's fix bullshit. <laughs> I got to give you something to do. That's bullshit, Gonzo, and you know it. Um, it, it, it was one thing having the cooldown for one person. Now you got it for everybody. It's garbage. <laughs> that's garbage. I'll, I'll let John work work his magic. No, no, you don't want me to. <laughs> I ain't playing anymore, son. If I do it, it's gonna be like ten. Do it as much as you fucking want. <laughs> I got the points. Let's go. So, um, other than that, your cat ears. <laughs> That's what we're gonna get, son. <laughs> Um, so we'll be talking about some RPG stuff and some getting things on that nature. We're going to talk about some movies, uh, some TV shows, all that good things. Um, let's get some of the business out of the way. If you haven't noticed, we have a new sponsor. We want to welcome a turbo dork to, uh, the sponsorship. They provide some amazing color shifting paints. If you like color shifting paints, go on and check, uh, their, uh, page out and you can go pick up some new stuff. They actually have some new colors recently. I think they're up to like a total of like 70 paints right now. Um, so that'll be uh, pretty interesting to see. They also are going to be at Warfare Weekend this year too. So even bonus. Uh, we want to thank Parabellum War Games for sponsoring the channel. If uh, you like and you want to get into Conquest, make sure you go check out their page. You can use our discount code um, and get 10% off your order. Uh, we want to thank um, Use on Minis for hosting our channel. And if you like their stuff, you can get 10% off their page too. Um, and don't forget our good friend Mini Masterworks, which I think we were probably selling out of all of his uh, uh, paint shakers. Uh, I could soon. not imagine. <laughs> like tons of people have bought his paint shaker recently because of us, which is good. Um, but also you can get a discount there from, uh, buying anything he has. He has some really good paint shakers. Um, the, uh, pencils, the water activated colored pencils. So you can do like rust, dirt and all that type stuff. He has some really good stuff. So other than that, go check them out. Go find all of our people. Go have a good time. Spend some money. Help our people out. Um, 
let's see. I know we have some shout outs this week. <laughs> Why do people continually fuck with me? I don't even understand it. I don't. All right. It's like you start with fucking around. You think you're not going to find out? <laughs> the thing is, is last week it was there and you weren't around to fix it. So they were all really frustrated. So I was like, okay. They, they should have texted me. I'd have fucking got on my phone and fucking fixed it. You know, I was too mad. Fair. <laughs> I was taking time out from watching the movie I watched, we'll talk, which we'll talk about in the movie section, <laughs> to fix that on my phone. I would have done that. So, uh, other than that, um, so we do have some shout outs this week. Um, one that happened just recently, um, was Fred Ward, Fred Ward, yeah, Fred Ward. Um, and you know, what's interesting, I, I, when I remember first seeing him was Remo Williams. And that's when, that's when I first saw him and I was like, who is this guy? And then all the things that he picked up after that, I was like, nah, he's still Remo Williams to me. Type Tremors. thing. Tremors. Yeah, Tremors is, is, is one of his big ones uh, that he's okay. really well known for. And what, Right Stuff? The right yeah. Stuff? Uh, the Right Stuff, yes. Yeah, it's another big one. But I mean, he will always be Remo Williams <laughs> uh, to me. Yeah, that's, uh. that was his big, uh, his big uh, first full starring role. Yeah. Um, but also don't, don't sleep on the HBO original movie uh, Cast of the Spell. Which is sort of like a noir Lovecraftian movie. Um, there were two of them. One had I don't remember that. I can't remember the actor's name right now. Um, one of the two that was it. Uh, you know, I can't even remember any of that. So I'll I'll figure <laughs> it out. But he was in it also. I you know, you're doing a lot better than Erica because I brought it up to, with her, and she recognized him from the. From the early 2000s chick flick, Sweet Home Alabama, as the dad. There you go. Uh, Dennis Hopper actually played the same character in one movie. Then Fred Ward played it in another movie. Yes. So those those are pretty good watches. But uh, Fred Ward's a... It's really a shame he never got more starring roles like a lot of those actors. He just he, he went just out like... for something and then it didn't go over well. To be fair, Ray Williams has some issues. We will talk about that in the movie section. Spoiler. Correct. We will talk about that because that was something I, I wanted to. That was something we wanted to touch on because that was some. I mean, I watched stuff. it today, so of course we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, did you get uh, George Perez last week? No, we did not. Yeah, comic book artist. He was. I mean, he was fucking legend. Wait. I mean, we knew it was coming. He had been sick for a while, but uh, it, it still, still sucks. Yeah, it still sucks. He's known a lot for uh, the Noon Teen Titans way back in the day in the 80s that was sort of his first big i guess widespread everyone knew it he did avengers in the 70s he's done a ton of stuff and he was a fucking legend you know everyone points to stanley stanley was also a fucking legend he's he's in me he's that same hollowed ground you know doesn't have quite the press wasn't quite as um face recognition or anything as Stanley, but just as pivotal to comics in, in just in a different way. Yeah. I don't think we heard about George Perez quick enough to get on the thing. Cause I, I remember seeing that after and everybody was like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That would have been just the Friday before. And that was a busy week. Yeah. yeah. So, 
So yeah, and yeah, so it's, we we talked about what there was another indiv- other artist that passed away like a week before that, and we were talking about you've seen these persons work, you just probably just don't know who they are. Yeah, there's a lot type of thing. those. And they were like, yeah, I remember seeing that cover of that book or that, you know, episode or, you know, that, that issue, I should say, of the comic. So, yeah, it was interesting. Um, does anybody have anybody else? Not off the top of my head, no. I know I saw other people's stuff, but I don't remember. I don't remember it either. So, let's get down to some brass tacks. Missy, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, Kraken and vanilla cream soda. Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. That's what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> John, what are you drinking tonight? I have a Moscow Mule, because that's pretty much all I can fucking make with Because that's what I you have. got. <laughs> that's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could do another Mule with uh, Fireball, which was not bad at all, but why not? Why well, just like... <laughs> Just go with the Old Faithful? Just go to the original. That's also because I didn't want to steal any of Banyan's uh, liquor. He's got some good liquor that's good for making mules, but I'll let him open it first because I'm a nice guy. Oh, okay. If it was already open, it'd be a different story. Yeah. I mean, okay. put yeah. it in the spot with all the alcohol. If it's already open, I'm drinking it. That's free game. <laughs> if it's open, it's free game. Yeah, he put, he, sometimes he puts it in a separate spot, in which case I do not touch it. If it's like on the counter, away from where we keep the alcohol on top of the fridge, it's not free game. If it's on top of the fridge with all the alcohol, fuck it, free game. As soon as it's open. <laughs> As soon as it's opened. Yes. Uh, yes. I am going to be drinking a Remy Martin XO. I still got a, almost a full bottle of that, so I'll be drinking that. And drinking kind of light tonight since I have to start working tomorrow. That Over sounds tomorrow. like defeatist talk. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be at work at 6 a.m. Get over uh, yourself. <laughs> I mean, I have to work similar time to Gonzo. I'm going to fucking drink. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a finger's worth. And not, technically, not... I have to work earlier because I'm in a different time zone. Yep. Different time zone. So uh, last week I was in the same time zone. Yeah. Uh, guys, please take care of yourself. If you feel yourself getting sick, go get checked out. If it lasts for longer than anything else, make sure that you keep an eye on your health. It is super, super important to us that you come back. Not only because we love you, but you'd miss out on cool stuff like John wearing cat ears. And Gonzo. not just your physical health, your mental health, too. Correct, your mental, mental health, health is thing. important. I hate to say it this Take way, meds. but... Drink your water. If, if work's getting too much, fucking level with them. Like, look, if you can schedule in advance, it's better. Try and be like, hey, I need a mental health day. I, I just fucking can't. They'll understand. If they don't understand, fuck them. Have them call me. I'll make them fucking understand. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I or tell my people just... that all the time. Like, you need a mental health day, just let me know. If you can give me advance notice, even better. But if not... Your mental health is more important than fucking one day of work. I'll, we'll make it work. Yeah. Or just take the point and, you know, say fuck it. Take the point and say fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, please take care of yourself. Keep watching out for your health, physical and mental. Um, we want to see you at all the conventions that you can go to. Uh, and if you can go out to Warfare Weekend, I would love to see you out there. I would love to give you hugs. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, man. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, another one. All right, another one. Cheers. I mean, I'm already half a glass in, so I'm fine. <laughs> it burns. So I'm going to go over to the paint area. 
and stuff so I can start working on things because I did not do a lot of working on paints this week or working on models this week. I've been a bad boy. Uh, I didn't either, but that's mostly because I was out of town for three days. Yeah, I see, you, you had an excuse. That's um, a very good story. I mean, so the funny thing is, is that if I had driven, it's a long drive. I would have actually brought actual hobby stuff with me. Oh yeah, but I don't want to take it on the plane. I literally, I don't take a, I don't take a checked bag. I just have a carry-on backpack. Uh, for funny, anyone who knows GW, when they released um, Armageddon, the uh, the big, the huge points value game, they had mm -hmm. a backpack version with all the stuff, and I have the backpack, and I use that when I go on anywhere for a work trip because I fill it with just enough clothes for that uh, work trip. And all the essentials, and it fits, and it, I can carry it everywhere. It's all good. Smart. Oh, you're still working on that guy, or he's just about done. So, you see, Legion, I know you're listening a little bit. That's what I meant. So, his green tufts, the way they're pictured here, they're not green enough. They don't stand out enough on his uh, base, in my opinion. He needs something a little more poppy than that, I think. Uh, the, the purple helps, but, like, more poppy. Well, first things first. This base is not the right color. Which may affect it, but we were talking about that for something similar for Legion, for his uh, Rebels, for Legion. And uh, I, it's a perfect illustration. The green helps, and it also might be the camera. Sometimes you know how those colors get. Yeah. I have to fix but, the uh, camera. It, see, that's a little better. I just think it's still like whatever. It just needs a little more oomph to it. Yeah, the tuft is like it's it's green with yellow tops. It'll, it'll yellow change. tops, I think, are killing it. But well, I'll I'll save my final judgment till you finish the base and the proper color. Yeah, because uh, like even that, like a wash, like on the base, which I've done a lot with uh, a lot of my BattleTech models, will go a long way towards changing it up. And I always use just dry brush bases. Honestly, washing bases, if you've got enough texture on it, that'll do a hell of a job. Especially that GW like crackle paint stuff because it gets all in the in the cracks, the crackle that you made. So there you go. Yeah, that crackle paint I use that for my Grimkin, but my Grimkin's a weird type of. Uh, yeah, you uh, black and white with a little bit of red, right? Black and white was just like a pop of color, like around certain eyeballs or glowy parts that I like. All right, so that's okay, a bit please, yeah, the, the swap tops with more. Uh, with more green and, and no yellow, yeah. probably be fine. This then. is the color of yeah. the base, what it's supposed to look like. This is the color. Oh, of yeah, the that, that'll make a heck of a difference. I think yeah. they'll be fine with that. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to be. I need to paint and then a dry brushed white over the top of it just so it make you know, it just stands up a little bit. Well, Busy, you mentioned shopping sprees. I actually went on a little bit of a shopping spree on Amazon yesterday. And part of what I picked up is this. More Battletech models. Ooh, what? Nice. No, you wouldn't do that, John. Mostly because it comes with the Black Knight, and I love the Black Knight. Uh, I love it in MechWarrior Online. It's always been a solid mech in the tabletop and in the Battletech uh, computer game. Uh, I didn't realize it was in the game, but and I had named my uh, commander, the one who's represent me, uh, Call Sign Knight. So I'm like. I got that black knight, and I'm like, nope, that's fu I'm fucking piloting that forever. <laughs> that's just fucking appropriate. But King Crab is cool. Highlanders are cool. And the one I most want to call out is 
you can't really see it. I'm going to probably open this up here. Probably going to need a knife or remember how things work. Like magnets, how do they work? Brains. There we go. Boom. Because most improved mechs, uh, and it's actually done by an artist who goes by Bishop Steiner, who I follow on uh, Twitter and also support him on Patreon because I get a lot of cool pictures out of it, is this little guy right here, the Sentinel. And I mean, he looks pretty cool. I like the way he looks. But if you ever saw the original artwork for him, it was fuck awful let me i will find you guys i'll post it in uh chat because i want to show you what a little artwork change can do for a mech it is crazy sentinel no that's the good picture where's the old shitty picture where what's the, this is it this is the original picture for the sentinel copy paste um, and if anyone cares, that website, Sarner.net, is the Battletech, like, wiki website, and it's fucking awesome. But that's how it originally looked, and I wanted no part to do with that fucking mech ever. And then you get Bishop Steiner's redo, and I'm like, well, fucking A, that thing looks great. It is night and day, yeah. <laughs> you know, suddenly got a mech that actually looks like a mech, not like an egg with fucking weird chicken ankle <laughs> fucking bullshit. I'll be honest, old Battletech art is sometimes the fucking worst. <laughs> like, I don't even understand it some days, but that mech looks cool. I'm glad it's part of the pack, and I do dig the way it looks. Yeah, the mech warrior art back then was a product of its time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's all a fast art. Well, I mean, all art was. Like, you get some stuff that's like, mwah, chef's kiss, and you get some stuff that's like, oh, what happened? I can't unsee that. Why did you hire kindergartners? Yeah. Also, some of it you could tell that they're like, oh, we need this piece of artwork. They're like, all right, here you go. Like, uh, that's not the right game. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, we hired you for Shadowrun and you made a Earthdawn piece. Like, oh, no, fuck it. We'll fix it. <laughs> or vice versa. It's crazy. Crazy. But there you go. So actual topics. We have actual topics, not just John what? talking about random purchases and art. I don't know about that. Do we have actual topics here? Uh, we do, because it's uh, apparently on you. It's 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 regarding you and role playing games. And you know that that's news to me. But hey, you know what else is new? I only know because he I asked him like an hour ago. Like, hey, what <laughs> are we going to be talking about? I'd like to know. So See, I got told. <sighs> That it was going to be just a hobby day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, he, he added plus discussion on player slash GM responsibility when playing in a RPG. That, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He says, well, Mizzy has never, well, he says will, but I think he means well. Mizzy has never really been taxed with player responsibility when coming to the table for a game. And this is a bit overwhelming and not sure what she should do. Let me tell you at its core what a player is responsible for, in my opinion. Sure. Yeah. Lay it on me. Showing up with your character ready to go. That's it. I don't expect my players to take notes. It's okay. You can ask me questions on what happened before. I should know and be able to tell you what your character remembers. I might make you make a check if it's obscure knowledge I mentioned just a little bit. 
But, uh, you know, I just show up ready to play and all. That's it. I don't expect notes and all. I mean, we... I feel this is one of those areas where, say, Critical Role has set an unreasonable expectation for some people. Because they take notes and they're, like, fucking just on it. I mean, they're great. Let's be honest. They would be the best players to have. But I don't expect that from everyone. Especially not players who have only been playing for a short time. Hell, my players have been playing for a long time. They don't fucking take notes. You think anyone playing in Three Gnomes and a Half Giant takes a fucking note? <laughs> oh, hell no. They take so little notes that one of them goes, Hey, can I read your notebook and see what my answers were to all the questions from our player, from our, for our character building session? Those are things that are said to me. And I say, sure, that's why I fucking wrote it down. I don't care. So, but, I've tried to take notes before, but I just can't keep up. That's my biggest thing. Well, you want to take notes um, in just a freeform way, you know? There is stuff that you should be expected that your character will remember without your fucking input. This is not real life. This is not actual acting. Uh, you can be if you want it to be, but I don't expect people to just be like, oh, you don't remember it, that your characters remember it. That's fucking bullshit. Yeah, I... Uh, that that right there is just kind of stupid in my opinion. I mean, I can like if you make it that way, that's your game, your game, your rules. But you need to make sure they know in advance. And that goes back to one of the age-old things I like to talk about, which is basically the unwritten and shouldn't be gamer social contract. You know, there's a lot of old grognards out there where. They have certain expectations, but they don't say them. To which I'm like, how are new players supposed to know what to do if you don't say it? Do you not want new players? Which is fine if you don't want new players, but, you know, don't bitch them not taking notes. You're not letting them in your game. Who the fuck cares? You know, I think you should always have an expectation of what the game's going to be. I told uh, uh, Jason, who's playing in Three Gnomes and a Half Giant, like, okay, you never play with four, Jason. Here's how we roleplay. You know, we're kind of moderate to light role play. We're not expecting heavy acting or anything, role play every situation. You can just give me an idea what you're saying and then roll dice if you need to for a social thing. You don't have to say it all. I'm not expecting all that. It's not fucking acting. It's not improv. You know, it's a bunch of us getting together and collectively telling a story. You know, you can't just let it be all about what you can do. Otherwise, it's not really role playing anymore, is it? You're playing who you fucking are then. Mm-hmm. So that is what my opinion of what a player's responsibilities are. Gonzo might have other ideas. Gonzo, what do you think player responsibilities are? Um, I don't have an issue with the note. I'm, I agree with you. They shouldn't have to remember everything. Uh, one of the things I think that they that a player should do is make sure they read over their class and their rules uh, really well. Uh-huh. Um, and, and get... Are you there? Nope. Um, I think that's something that needs to be worked on is going over your class and your rules. Or your character. Yep. But also part of that is I feel like uh, sometimes we put new players... Thanks, Xander. Eh. Uh, uh, we need to make sure new players, you know, know that stuff and don't get put in positions of exceptional complexity. 
You know, like I would not expect Missy to come into one of my champions games, uh, here's system, and understand all the rules backwards no. and forwards. I would expect her to come in, have her character, have asked me how it works, and then understand the basic area where her character works, and then slowly add some extra rules to it here or there. I'm not expecting you to read the rule book front to back. That's unreasonable. I could show you the hero system rule book, and you would laugh at me. It's like this <laughs> thick. No, you don't expect that. I, I expect that, but I expect it to know to grow because we were all newbies sometime. And when a new player comes in, you got to remember, if you can, old fuckers that we are, what it was like to be the new player, not knowing what the rules are. We were all there. Sell. So, at one point, I didn't know the rules to D and D. It was a very, very long time ago. The eighties. And those rules have changed. Not so much. Really not so much. I've changed a lot less than many games have. TJ, lay down, buddy. Which is good. You don't want it to be you don't need to necessarily reinvent the wheel. You don't need to innovate everything. But so uh now GM responsibility. Actually, no, hey, let's do this. Before we get that, Mizzy, what do you think the players' responsibilities are when you come to the table? Well, you know, uh, I I would agree that you definitely do need to know like what your how your character is built, and then so I think the part where I struggle with is even though I've read what I what I should know, it's again remembering everything, mm-hmm. and so I think that if you know maybe if um, if I had like a little cheat sheet or something that. I could help myself remember those things, but it's figuring out how to formulate that cheat sheet. You know what I mean? Well, absolutely. Actually, I would say that's a great idea is having a little cheat sheet for stuff. Um, I remember when I first started, I wrote down sort of the, you know, all the basic things like, okay, on a combat turn, I do X, Y, Z and everything. I would just write it down. And for a while there, I did formulate stuff. Okay, you know, I don't know how normal D&D is. I'll do fourth edition, last one. I go for, you know, I do my move action. I do my minor action. I do my my standard action. Boom, boom, boom. Very easy formulaic. You know what you can do. And then you sort of put down a note. Like, okay, minor actions are all these things. Cool, I can do any of those things. Move actions are obviously moving all these things. Cool, I can do those things. It helps a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the good points about uh, even a complicated system like uh, the hero system is actions are listed as either they take a half phase or a full phase. So you can really look at a list go like, okay, look at all these half phase actions. So I can do that and something else. And they may have little notes. Like if you do this, it ends your action. Okay, I have to do that second. So I have to move and do that. You know, it little things like that make all the difference. And honestly, I find a lot of the character sheets nowadays are very minimalistic. They don't actually list all that stuff. While all... <clears throat> the hero system ones that are they're done from a program generally because i mean why would you not use a program if it's available mm-hmm. and it lists like literally if i hand you a character sheet it'll say oh cool here's all the basic maneuvers and then here's all the maneuvers i may have bought so i know what i can do so you can make sure that and people like i have got people take our take the character sheets and just be like write down stuff okay my total defense is this this is this i've done it for some in the past you know, I always went and I made character sheets for my players for that game because it's a little more complicated. 
having the GM write down all the stuff or make sure the character sheet has the right stuff is helpful. That's part of GM responsibility, which is part of this, is making sure you're ready to go. You know, <clears throat> I will say as you become a veteran player, your responsibilities might add on if you choose. Mm -hmm. It's never you have to. It's more of if you choose and you're a veteran, responsibilities can include helping the newer players when their turn comes about. Because you know. You know what they can do probably as well as they can. Like, you know, imagine playing with any of the guys in Critical Role. They probably know your D&D &D character as well as you do for the most part. Like, yeah, you can do this, this, and this. Like, that would be super helpful for a new player. You know, they'd be great to play with because they'd be like, here's some ideas of what you can do. The hardest part about that is to not table general. Because table general is a motherfucker. I mean, I understand it. I have that problem sometimes. That's why I don't play certain board games. Looking at you, so you were Dungeon Explorer. <laughs> <laughs> Fun game, but someone's going to table general because there is, like pandemic yeah there is generally a right way to do your turn and at that point why are we playing multiple players if you're just going to play my turn i can go off to something else and you're going to be just as happy playing all the players yeah so is what it is there but then if you're playing all the all the players then like what's the point <clears throat> i would chalk it up to i don't want to say bad game design but kind of bad game design. That's why I like uh, things where there are multiple win conditions. Everyone might have their own win condition. But that's a board game thing. Role-playing game, the only win condition is having fun. So while there's a little bit of opportunity for table generaling, you can usually, usually keep it under control. GM can sort of throttle that back. Hell, as a player, you can even tell them, like, hey, no, just tell me the kinds of things I do. You don't need to tell me what I can do exactly. Now, sometimes you might ask, like, you know, we're in a bad space. Um, if the GM allows, you could be like, hey, player who's a lot better tactically than me. My character should be good at tactics. Can you help me? Mm -hmm. That's another great idea. If someone's role-playing something that's out of character for them, like as someone who's not tactically minded and they're playing a character who should be good at tactics, have your play one of your players who's good tactically help them out. You know, you could help them out. But sometimes you want to take some of that and put it on other people because you can't just take it all on yourself. The temptation is there as a GM to take it all on yourself. But you can't always do that. You got to let your players have a little, take a little bit off your plate so you can run a better game. Gonzo, you're super quiet. You should talk. Um, I, I was going to say that I remember, you know, just starting out in D&D &D and I was like, Oh, well, you didn't remember that, so you lose, you die, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, my character would know and type thing. And there, there's got to be some leeway. Like I said, a, a player should try to learn what their character can do. Hmm? But the GM and other people shouldn't be playing their character. That makes sense? Yes, that's a perfect example. Yeah. And if you forget something, and I did this in one of the games recently... Do not hesitate to go, oh, shit, I totally would use this ability. I didn't realize it was for this. Well, cool. Let's rewind, maybe even re-roll everything, and see how it works then. Yeah. But you have to ask that. If you're going to mm -hmm. passive-aggressive me, like, oh, I had this ability I could have used, I'm not going to say just go ahead and use it. I'm going to make you ask, do you want to use it? 
Right. And that's, that's fair for yeah, sure. Because I don't, you know, some people want to take their mistakes and learn from them. Mm-hmm. Not my position to take them away. People are like that in, in board games and, and miniature games and role-playing games. Sometimes you want to, but don't hesitate. If it's a huge thing, like, oh, you know, I totally forgot this ability. Like, sure, we can work it in. Remember, collaborative storytelling. It's not me versus you. It's it's I start the framework of the story, and you guys are there to help me get it to the end. You know, obviously, I prefer it to be a good story where the heroes win at the end. Doesn't always but Not all heroes win. Not all heroes win. And sometimes the fun is finding, you know, what the heroes do when they lose. So, they make but yeah, you characters got, you... and name him Junior. <laughs> we named the dog Indiana. <laughs> so you you mentioned like somebody being a table general and everything. At what point does a player just bring it up with the GM or even the rest of the group uh, that they might have a problem with it? As soon as you have a problem with it, like. I would, uh, if it's in the middle of combat, I go, can we pause for a second? Let's talk about this. Your table generaling. Well, I appreciate the fact that you want to win and all that. I don't want to keep doing it this way. Can you stop? We're all adults. There's nothing personal about it. Or, hey, stop it, fucker. (laughs) That's a little harsher. But again, if you've got close enough friends, they're not taking it. I mean, it's a role-playing game. If you take something someone says like that, Personally, you have the problem, not them. Mm-hmm. You're all friends. It's all good. So, yeah, but you should bring it up immediately as soon as it becomes a problem. Hey, Kathy. Kathy, Kathy. Hey, Kathy. And I would say with anything, if anything is uncomfortable or a problem, you should bring it up immediately. Yes. You know, it might not have come out early. I mean, there's a lot of people who... Big thing on Twitter is old role-playing people who are like, I can't believe these kids and their safe spaces and shit. All right, dude, shut the fuck up. If, let's say, for example, rape is something that someone doesn't isn't comfortable with in a game, and maybe it comes up happenstantially, maybe it's in a written module, maybe it's just the GM's not thinking about it. If you're uncomfortable with it, you should bring it up immediately, or if you feel like you can get, a, get away, you can handle it to the end of the session, bring it up to the end of the session with the GM, so that way you don't have that stuff. Because let's be honest, there are things that don't need to ever, ever be in role-playing games. And yeah. it's you need to step up if it's uncomfortable. Because let's be honest, you put your guys around the table, we're going to be guys. Like, There's I hate different... to say it, old, us older guys, casual joking sexism is a thing that happens sometimes. It's not okay, but we're not even thinking about it, you know? Because we don't, we would never mean that or say to someone in real life. Mm-hmm. And, but we're not thinking sometimes when there is a young lady at the table, I'm like, oh, fuck, that was inappropriate. Perfect example. This is a great story of my buddy Todd, who is a good dude, but says a lot of stupid fucking things. We are playing Legend of the Five Rings, which is feudal Japanese flavored. Great. Game. And, yep. And Norrin's running it, and Norrin is black. This is relevant. He's going around and asking all the players what characters they've made up to fit in his story. So he turns to Todd and goes, what clan are you from? Now, at this point, a wise person just says the clan or your mom. Yes. To be witty. 
Not the Ku Klux Klan. Oh. Of all the things you could say, that's probably oh. number one. Number one not to say. To his credit, he didn't mean anything. He's not racist. He was trying to be funny, but he stopped, looked at Norton and said, that was a dumb thing to say, wasn't it? But people are like that, you know? People don't realize they, you know... We try to take the power away from things by making jokes, but you can't all do that. Some people, it's more personal than others. You can't say, well, I'm not offended by it. You know, well, fuck off. They are. Yeah. It doesn't matter you can if say one person snow, yeah, yeah, You can say, oh, they're a snowflake. No, you don't know their life. Yeah. Don't judge. Um, what's that? Uh, uh, it was a, a Ted Lasso episode. I saw a clip from it. It's... Uh, don't be judgmental. Be curious. Don't judge people. Be curious about them. You know, if they say, oh, hey, that's not comfortable with that. Like, cool. After the game, I want to find out why you're not comfortable about that. Uh, someone's already paid, Gonzo. Put that shit back on. <laughs> that's right. Well, Say you sure. pay for that some time ago, son. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so so keep that in mind, you know, you don't know. Sometimes people don't mean anything about it. Don't take it. Try to take it personally, but bring it up because if you're not comfortable with it, you shouldn't. It shouldn't be in the game. No matter what. Remember, the idiots on online aren't playing your fucking game. Correct. They're not sitting at a table with you. And most of them, even with all their bluster, would not say that shit to you. Yeah, there's a difference good between people at heart between friends giving each other shit and someone new coming in and then giving them shit. Mm-hmm. Um, prime example, the minority report guys, they're an all black guy, you know, crew. And they jokingly, you know, will come up to me like, Hey, there's Gonzo, our token white guy. And you know, it, it, and it's a joke because I know them and they, I know what they mean and yeah. so on and so forth. And, and I'm not offended by it, but if someone else were to make that type of thing, it might be a whole different thing, which I wouldn't have said anything. anyway. it's not that big of a deal to me, but jokes between friends and someone's new there, you got to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there are jokes, there are jokes people will say to me that I'll let them get away with that. Some people like, you don't, you don't say that to somebody, you know, but rather than being, don't be offended. Just say like, Hey dude, I'm not comfortable with that joke. They'll understand. Again, we're all adults. <laughs> None of it is personal. You know? We we shouldn't... And this is in life, you know? Like, if it's personal, then either they fucked up or you fucked up. You just gotta figure out which one it is. Yeah. You know, a random person on the street tells me, calls me an asshole. I don't fucking care what that person says. Nope. Gonzo calls me an asshole. I'm like, yeah, and... <laughs> my mom calls me and asks so I go oh what did I do wrong <laughs> you know it, you gotta take it first and understand it you know but in gaming we cannot be afraid to express how we feel about things mm-hmm. so I found a while ago people really dislike having their agency taken away from them mind control in role playing games is a really really fucking difficult thing so I tend to try and keep it light only usable when it's you know, only use when it's totally required or appropriate. Um, and in one of the Sewer Bear episodes, after uh, Sewer Bear bites the head off the demon, Kree asks me, is my character possessed by the demon now? Which I would normally 
not do because it takes away her agency. Mm-hmm. But at that point, I was like, well, fuck yeah, you are, since you asked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that's the sort of thing you know. You can see that stuff coming. Like, hey, I want to do this thing. I did a thing with Norrin back in the day where I'm like, all right, your character is going to be a traitor and he's going to capture somebody for the bad guy. And he was like, I'm like, are you comfortable with that? He's like, hell yeah, I'm comfortable with that. If he wasn't, I would have ditched that entire plot line and done something else. Mm-hmm. Or done it with somebody or done with somebody else. And he wouldn't have said a thing about it because that's what you do. You know, but it's it's collaborative. The biggest thing people forget is it's collaborative. I've heard too many. This is my table. We play, you know, we play by my rules. Well, to a point, yes. But when it comes to storytelling, you've got to be a little flexible. You've got to let the players have their agency. You've got to let the players affect the story. Because if you're just telling a story and then what the players do don't really matter aside from rolling dice, fucking write a book instead. You know, what the players do has to matter in it, and you have to take and since you have to have them to do that, you got to take into account what they do and don't want to see in a game, and you've, you've got to work with that. You know, that's there, there's... I'll be honest, I feel like nowadays we're in such a hurry to get into a game that we forget all the basic stuff we should be covering. The elevator pitch. Hey, this game's going to be an XYZ. Cool. Hey, here's the, you know, style of the game. Uh, the old... Uh, Big Blue Book, the fourth edition Champions Rule Book, had a big section in the back where it's a campaign worksheet where you would circle tone from realistic to fully out there. You would circle, it's a worksheet, so you can figure out how gritty, how everything it was going to be. Is it going to be episodic? Is it going to be serial? What are you going to do? It's got a whole worksheet for that. It helps a lot. Like, putting it down on paper, getting it out there so you can go, all right, players, here's the sheet I wrote up. This is what I feel like. Here's the synopsis of what we're going to be doing on a basic level. Here's my idea for how realistic and gritty and all that shit we're going to be. What do you guys think? Yes, a good disclaimer goes a long way. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because players are coming going like, okay, we're going to be super gritty and realistic. My characters may die. I will make a character appropriate for that circumstance. You know, you don't put your heart and soul into a character in a gritty campaign because your ass may die. Yeah. It's just, just the way it is, unfortunately. But if it's going to be, you know, totally lenient, oh shit, you know, very super heroic, let's say, superheroes don't die unless it's like a fucking big deal. Then you can put your heart and soul into it. Because you know, mm-hmm. if your character goes out, your character's going out in an epic way that's going to be fucking worth it. And you're yeah. probably going to have notice. Sorry, I'm hearing weird noise in my head. Okay. Just some ears. So yeah, that's all stuff. Um, and the whole player responsibility, I think, to get back to the main topic, comes out, should be taken care of before you even sit down to the first game. You should know what you expect your players to do. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I expect my players to show up ready to play their characters and have a good time. That's it. I don't want anything. I don't need them to do anything else. If they want to go above and beyond, they can ask me. I don't expect them to be masters of the system. I don't expect you necessarily even roll, own the fucking rule book. We should be playing something that's good enough that I got a copy. You can read it. We can probably find an online copy for you to look at. You know, I, I'm not expecting you to have system mastery 
from the beginning. Which is good, because it's really almost impossible. But Like, you're playing Earth Dawn now, which is a whole new system to you, right, Mizzy? Yes. I would not expect you coming to Earth Dawn to have system mastering. I would expect you to maybe know the basics of what dice we're using and how we use them to conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. And I'd expect that because I probably would have gone over it with you so you know what we're doing, so you can know if you're going to like it or not. Like, people forget, that shit matters in a game. If you have a game and you don't like conflict resolution, you're not going to like the game. Because at the end of the day, all role-playing really is is the conflict resolution portion of telling a story. Rather than the GM just going, what I want to happen, it's let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. And I find it super exciting because you don't know. You know, when uh, the players went to go free uh, Sewer Bear from the demonic possession, did I know they were going to win? No. Did it seem likely? Sure, it seemed likely, but I don't know that. Dice are a thing. And dice are a and, and And as my buddy Petey says, dice don't care. Dice don't, don't discriminate. Nope. They're going to do what they do. And they don't care what you want. They're just going to do whatever they want. And it's good to remember that. So, you know, it's... I would expect players to come with their own dice, or at least having told me they don't have dice so I can have dice ready for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I can't think of anything else I would expect from a player to start, honestly. There's a lot of things they can do better. I would love if they came with a notebook just to write down little notes. Because honestly, the little things you write down, I like to go over those sometimes because maybe some, you fixated on something that I didn't realize that I mentioned just casually because it came to mind, and that can become an important part of the campaign. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, it helped figure it out, you know, what you can do. Because um, writing certain things down, you might. Uh, find an area that uh, you didn't know they were interested in. For example, I had a gem doing something and he was looking to put potential romance in there, but I wasn't really interested in that. So he checked my notes and realized I didn't even write down that potential romantic interest at all, so he shelved it completely. I didn't find out until the end of the campaign. I'm like, oh shit, I didn't even realize, dude. So what would you have done if they did try to push that, even though you didn't write it down? Um... Well, that's sort of a thing you have to decide on the fly. Mm-hmm. When uh, my, you know, teenage ass finally realized that he was doing a romantic thing because it wasn't on my mind, uh, I might have gone with it. I've had some had some character romances in the past that might have been interesting to go with, or I might have played it off as, oh no, I would have wrote it into my background. I think actually at that point my character's background was that uh, he actually had a princess that he was in love with but was exiled because he was not worthy or some such shit so i probably would have played off that or maybe at that point if it comes at the right time you go okay cool maybe it's time he did move on maybe that's his realization maybe that's his character growth for that you have to decide at the time you can't know but if you're not comfortable you could just shake it off you can you know react normally then after the game go hey uh gm i noticed you were it looked like you're trying to do a romance thing with me i'm not really interested and then they go like cool i'll shelve it Mm -hmm. we can go are you interested in trying it's really important to the story i wrote because you can say that as a gm 
Like, I know you may not be comfortable with this, but it's really important to the story I wrote. Um, maybe you'll, at that point, you're willing to give it a try. Because we were all, you know, young players at one point, unsure of ourselves, not sure what we were doing. A little intimidated because everyone around you seems like they've been playing forever and always seem so confident and know what they're doing. Spoiler, they don't. They're just fucking faking it. <laughs> but, so, I mean, you have to take that as a thing. Any, any weird plot thing the GM is trying to do in, you have to take that at the time and figure out what, what you want to do. Because remember, it's about having fun. Mm-hmm. And you may get to a point uh, where that's just having fun for yourself isn't the only thing you're looking at. We played a Malifaux campaign through the breach where we had a lot of players. There were eight of us. Dang. And with all due respect to Dick Dan Patton, eight is not enough. Eight is too many. Ask your parents, kids. Um, and so I stepped back a bit and let myself sort of be, uh, you know, a co-starring rather than a starring. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to be Captain Kirk. I'm going to be Sulu. I'll be there. I'll do the thing when I'm called upon, but I'm not going to initiate any plot myself. Unless the GM goes, hey, what are you doing? You know, and, but sometimes it takes a very mature player to do that. And I would never expect a newer player to do that because that's not fair. In fact, if I did that, I would ask the veteran players like, hey, we got a lot of players. You want to throttle back and let the newer people take uh, take lead. It may not be for the best of the campaign. We had a uh, Shadowrun campaign where I'm playing a very young, arrogant, not very tactically aware, uh, physical adept. Uh, so basically, I'm a kung fu fighter. And we have Troy playing this ex-military guy. So, you know, I'm going, cool, my character doesn't know tactics or anything. He's not going to advance any plans to, to fight or anything. But Troy's sitting there being Troy and, like, John's going to lead us. Because that's what Troy does. So he's like, what's your plan? So I make the shittiest plan I possibly can. That would make sense for him. We're sitting there about to input the plan. He's like, wait, so what do you do if this happens? I'm like, well, then we get shot at hope we don't die. He's like, this is a shitty plan. I'm like, out of character, yes, it's a shitty plan. This is the best plan this character would come up with. Come on, man. But that's kind of the things, you know? You know. I'm trying to think of what my point was, but I've been drinking, so I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> the point was, you sort of have to let the newer players take their thing and encourage players to get out of their comfort zone a little bit, but don't force them to. Sorry, don't force them to be the party second. leader? Yeah, well, so example, like, Troy could have went, um, well, hey, my character's good at tactics, but I'm not. How, what kind of plan would I think would be good for this kind of situation? And the GM should go, okay, cool. I feel like X, Y, and Z would be a good plan. It's the kind of military plan your character background would make. Does it have to be right? No. But since you're making the encounter, you can make it be right. Mm-hmm. That's the the fun of being the GM, is you can go, okay, this is the tactics, and you decide to use them, they should be effective, even if an actual tactical person goes, that's a terrible idea. It doesn't have to be actually tactically sound. It has to be tactically sound for the game. Mm-hmm. You know, we're pretending here. Not, not, very few of us have actually been in combat and no actual, you know, small unit tactics or anything like that. This um, is not an actual life or death situation. It's a game. Correct. 
So you can you can fudge it. You know, if someone's an expert at something, even if they do something stupid, you you can make them succeed because they're an expert at it, and they should. You know, even if the person knows nothing about it, you you, you need to. That's sort of the combination there. You need to need to bolster up the new player and let them do their thing. You know, like if your character, whatever your character does, if your character does X, I need to make sure you do X well. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, you're gonna be like, well, why am I good at supposed to be good at X when someone else is good at X, and I feel like I shouldn't be there. It's a it's a it's a good thing for new players. It's a it's part of the GM responsibility. Uh, I call it shtick preservation. If you come to me with a superhero, you're like, I'm going to be the brick, the Incredible Hulk. Cool. No one else can be the brick. That's the brick. You can be a quasi-brick. You can be sort of like uh, maybe a Jessica Jones who's super strong, but not necessarily super tough. Mm-hmm. I'd call that a striker, but I'm getting into superhero terms there. Um, you can do that, but you need to preserve their stick. Like, if I'm the expert in X, cool. No one else can be an expert in X. But that's, you know, and I feel as a new player, and I don't think we'll get too many new players listening to this as far as brand new. You should come with an idea and you should tell your GM first. Because he's going to he's going to wrangle in the veteran players to make sure they don't step on your toes role playing wise. You know, if you want to be this super cool goblin shaman, cool, I'm going to make sure no one else is playing a goblin unless it's really appropriate and make no one else is being a shaman. I want to make sure that you feel like your character shines Mm -hmm. because uh, if you don't, what the hell's the point, right? Right. Because the biggest responsibility, the GM of all this other little shit that goes on there is making sure all the players have fun as much as possible. Not all the time. Sometimes Banyan dice dice are going to shit on him and he's going to have a terrible time. (laughs) By sometimes I mean most of the time. It sounds like our friend Josh, same way. Yes. But you need to do everything you can to make it not be the only thing, you know? You know, if the guy's goal as necromancer is to make people realize that necromancy isn't all bad and that you can take bodies where the spirit has departed and use them for manual tasks that people don't want to do, you should weave that into your campaign. That's GM responsibility taking the little background nuggets they have if they give you something and use it to keep the campaign go to keep to keep to add to the campaign that that yeah i said fun fun's important but that's also important that's part of the fun you know they feel like their efforts weren't wasted like oh hell i told the gm this little tidbit about this and it's part of the campaign that's super cool this is what you got to do you know it's like when you, you a lot of the systems we use, they have, uh, we'll, they'll call them flaws or disadvantages. I call them role-playing bits. You know? Uh, I always used to joke when we play champions, like, if you don't take a hunted, someone hunting your character, one will be assigned to you by the GM. But sometimes just taking a hunted can add so much to the game, you know? Suddenly that hunted becomes a focus for a while, you know? It gives the GM something to work with. Um, newer players might have a problem, uh, Here's a weird one that I don't want to call it really necessarily a player responsibility, but it's important is understanding how to make a character a little bit. And the GM has to sit with them. I know a lot of early people like to make flawless characters. Like, I want to be Jack Reacher. I'll be honest, 
Jack Reacher doesn't really have any major flaws. You know, if he has mm-hmm. a flaw, it's that he's socially <laughs> abrupt, let's say. Um, but that's us. You're not going to be challenged by that character so much. You need to give the, the, the GM something to work with, you know, mm-hmm. what works for a TV show may not work for a, uh, game example, you know, Dr. Strange works great because he is arrogant AF. Like, absolutely. That's something for the GM to chew on. You can put him in situations where that becomes something interesting. Um, so you got to play on that, you know? that A lot of the best characters that in longer standing stuff have big flaws. That was maybe my big, big takeaway is that certain TV characters don't have flaws. Or their flaws are so minor. You're starting to see that more and more often now, though. Um, and it's okay for someone like Jack Reacher because he's sort of like Mad Max. It's not his story. Like, what's Mad Max's flaws? He doesn't necessarily have any, but that's okay. He's not the main character. He's the main protagonist, but he, it's not his story. You know, in Fury Road, it's Furiosa's story. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. That's, you know, you can do that, but I would ask that newer players uh, leave that to the veteran players because they know how to throttle it back like that. You know, I don't expect a new player to want to come into a game and be a background player. That's not fair to them. So that sort of all goes back to the expectations, though, doesn't it? Making sure I sit down and with them and make sure they know what's going to go on. So maybe not. Good. So maybe not necessarily be a background character, but find a good balance. Mm -hmm. Well, technically, you should know when the spotlight's on you and when the spotlight's not on you. Mm -hmm. And actually, I feel if I had an all group of new players, I would probably institute something where I I try to sit at a regular table and like how we sit normally all around the living room, and I would try to have something to point at the players. So like, okay, pointing at you. It's on you now. Everyone else should be quiet. I, I'll do that in a lot of games when we're doing a sandbox game. I'm like, okay, what is your character doing? If someone else talks, I'm like, no, no, no. Them. Mm-hmm. It's them right now. So that's important to know. And it's important to know as a player when it's not your time. You might have the best idea ever. There'll come a time for you to put it in there. You know? Maybe even throw it out there, like, let them do the thing. Like, hey, I had an idea. You don't take it, but here is a cool, this would be cool if this happened. Remember, people forget it's collaborative storytelling. Too much in the old D&D days were player versus the DM, and it's never really been that. I mean, it was, unfortunately, but it never should have been that. Uh, it needs to be, you know, collaborative. But also remember the GM's a player, too. He needs to have a little bit of fun himself. What? So. I know, I know, crazy talk. GM's having fun. Now, in that, in that t- I, will asterisk, I will asterisk that. And this is going to be a, maybe controversial, maybe a hot take, so to speak. If, as I've seen around, you're paying your GM, then all bets are off. They're not a player anymore. <laughs> They're there to make you guys have a great time. Mm-hmm. They're getting paid for it. 
So at that point, you don't have to worry about that as much. Now you can still, that makes you a good person, but it shouldn't be as important, you know? You know, back in the day, people would love to just try and fuck the GM's plans. Like, how many pages of the notebook can I make the GM throw away today? That That's a uh, recurring thing on TikTok that I see where GMs are like, well, we're going to throw all this out now. Um, It's not just for show. It's happened. Oh, yeah. I many get, I, well, rip, that shit's done now. Uh. Oh, so Mo says, my buddy sent me an article about professional GM service, and we were considering it. Hey, I mean, if it works for you, it works for you. I've I've been tempted to try one out. One, just to see what it is, and two, so I could play. <laughs> what's what's playing like? It seems I cool. know. <laughs> uh, playing is what you do when you build a character and you don't tell anybody until after you started the game. Oh. I build lots of characters. Yep. I just don't get to play them. <laughs> All right. So hopefully that was helpful to people. It was a lot of John rambling and stream of consciousness, as always. <laughs> That's fine, because that, that was the thing is, uh, you know, people are starting to get back together again. And, of course, people are doing it online. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of new people playing now. And... <sighs> A lot of people get in their head that, hey, we're going to be Critical Role. Or, hey, I saw this on Critical Role. Why can't we be like this? Or, you know, i seen you play this. Why doesn't my group act like your group? So, first, first and foremost. Are different? Yes. First off, those are fucking professionals. Yeah. Second off, that, that is an aspiration. You, you know, when you go into anything, do you expect to immediately be... The pinnacle. When you start, you know, running for fun, do you expect to be Olympiad immediately? No, that's the fucking pinnacle. Just manage your expectations in all of life. That's going to be shaken up. This is actually really, 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 really purple. Like, even, yeah, the purples are messed up on this. Yeah, it's a much darker purple in person. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really, really cool purple, too. And it's mm-hmm. kind of almost got a metallic sheen to it a little bit. It's my kind of purple. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I would put that on mechs. So, well, that was good. I got some work done. Yeah. Got uh, some good movie stuff. section. I've got a lot of things to talk about. I don't have a lot of things to talk about. But I have a lot of little things because I watched half of many movies. <laughs> half of many movies and turned them off, or half of many movies and didn't have enough time? I mean, didn't have enough time. I'm in a hotel. I'm stuck with what they have playing on DirecTV. Little of column A, little of column B. No, I mean, I didn't turn anything off because I didn't like it, though. Uh, let me start by saying uh, I did watch part of two episodes of MacGyver. After, you know, I watched the... Uh, the first episode uh, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I, I I am not going to seek out any more of that show. It is, <laughs> it is terribly fucking mediocre. Mm-hmm. They should be happy the last the five or six seasons they did. I'm actually yeah. impressed because fucking a. By way of comparison, I saw some season two. I think it was of uh, season one, season two of NCIS part of so much better, and it's so much older. I don't understand. But there you go. 
Uh, what should we start with, Gonzo? What do you want to start with? Um, let's see. Did I watch anything brand new? Not really, but I did watch a couple of new episodes. I did catch up, and I'm still watching uh, Under the Banner of Heaven. Um, and uh, the only part, other person I know is watching is Chris Surrey, and him and I got into a very good conversation about this and about what's going on and everything, and I'm, I can't wait till the series is over so I can go read the true history behind it um, and you know separate the, the fact and fiction. Uh, very, very good series. It is very acted very well. Uh, period piece is really good. It, it, you're watching it. And you're like, holy crap! That no, but okay. But okay. Uh, yeah, that does not uh, seems like something I would ever want to watch. Yeah, but, but I mean, it, I, I saw it and I'm there. I'm like, oh, I'll try it out. And I'm like, really invested into it, you know, because I want to see it and watch it, and I like it. Um, I'll hold off on it, you know, whenever we get. I'll get done to give it a full rating and it'll probably be, you know, like since it's based off a true story, I'm like, I will compare it to the true story once it's done and then go, okay, yeah, they Hollywoodized up this, you know, too much or, you know, whatever. But so far I'm really liking it. Uh, it's done. Acting's done really, really well. Uh, it's got good mystery behind it to find out what's going on and why things are the way it is. But like I said, I'll wait and see what the real story is behind it all. But, I like it. There's a lot of good, you know, a lot of good fun to it. A lot of, a lot of good, uh, makes me have to watch. Best way to put it. Gotcha. Well, on, uh, Sunday when I got there, uh, I said I worked a little bit, went and got my hotel room, chilled for a bit, then went back, we worked, and then we had a meeting that ended up being a meeting and birthday party for one of the people because it was her <laughs> birthday. And at her request, in one of the conference rooms in the convention center, we put up some big screens and we watched The Three Amigos. Oh my god. <laughs> so I got paid to watch The Three Amigos and there was an open bar. <laughs> May affect my overall rating of the movie. So I say, <laughs> I understand The Three Amigos. I've seen all The Three Amigos, but never have I seen it all in one sitting. <laughs> Because I'll be honest, the beginning is fucking rough. Yeah. And not super funny. No. The ending, on the other hand, is quite good and generally really fucking funny. So I would say it is totally half of a good movie. Um, Chevy Chase playing an idiot is funny uh, through most of it. Uh, how much did I drink to get through it? I actually only had two drinks because I didn't have a lot of what I wanted. Um, he was practically sober. It's fine. Yeah, pra functionally <laughs> sober. But uh, so overall, I enjoyed it. But if I watched it again, I would just watch the latter half of the movie. Um, from about the point they uh, scare off uh, the, the first group of men. Then and that to the end is pretty decent. But the beginning's a little mm, not so funny. Uh, overall, I'm, I'm going to give it two and a half space herpes. It's fine. I don't know why people love it like they do, but if it brings you joy, cool. It's on my would not turn it off actively, but it would become background background noise for the most part. Yep. Um, only a couple parts would I call uh, 
what I call actively good. So there you go on that. Mizzy, what you got? Um, I didn't watch a whole lot. I think she's going to speak. Do you want to talk about uh, Strange New Worlds now? Ooh, We can. Let's talk about that. that. That's the major one that I watched. There you go. So two episodes in, I don't think, I don't know if Gonzo reviewed half of the first episode last week or not. Uh, I can't remember. I don't, I don't care. I, I just don't care if you did. I'm going to talk about it anyways. Uh, really liked the first episode. Uh, hit home pretty hard. Uh, hit yes. home pretty hard. Um, apparently, uh, yeah, Star Trek is now woke. <laughs> um, totally wasn't woke prior to this. See, I, th- I think it's funny that a lot of people are saying that because after watching the second episode, I'm like, this is classic Star Star Trek, but with like upgrades. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, this it is, is, and it's amazing, and I love it. It's yep. classic Star Trek with cool special effects, cool sets, cool everything, but the traditional thing of Star Trek of discovering new worlds and so on and it, so forth. It has yes. one thing, one more thing that old Star Trek doesn't happen and have, and it's not old Star Trek's fault because the old Star Trek was made correctly for what they did back in the day. Yes. It has character fucking development. Mm-hmm. In two episodes, you've already have a little little movement of character development, and that's the other thing you'd have in the old one because it's meant to be completely episodic. This is going to be quasi episodic, which I think is the right answer for Star Trek. Like you can have full on serial, but I think at some point it'll always shine better in this format where they're exploring stuff, and sure, A can lead to B. Like you're going to watch the first episode before you go to the rest. Mm-hmm. But after that, you'll have some things like I can watch this and this. You won't be totally lost by everything if you skip around a little bit. That's the way it should be. We're not sure until I'm in two episodes. Uh, I like it. Um, Anson Mount as Pike is fucking great. He is yes. quickly becoming my favorite captain. I am sorry, Kirk. <laughs> he Amber is Kong. really, really sorry, good in this. Kirk, I am not sorry. <laughs> Pike is. I, I. I. He just. He. He plays a good captain. He plays someone that doesn't give a shit. He's like, I'm going to do what's right. Um, I don't care what rules I break. Um, and he's got a heart. Yep. Yeah. And he's still conflicted. As yes. He's, he's, he's got depth. That's great. Uh, yes. Obviously, we're not going to fully review it, but uh, I'm currently giving it zero space herpes, which is impressive because they're in space and they're going to see lots of stuff. Same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I so far, I really like it. It's old school Star Trek. Done with a better graphics, better special effects, better sets, so oh, on yeah, and so forth. He was great in Discovery. Season two of Discovery is still, as of yet, my favorite because Pike fucking makes that. Yes, well, I like the interaction. All I mean, I, I like what I've seen. I haven't seen all season three or anything later than that yet. I do like where it's going, but I fucking he did a great job. I mean, season three of Discovery like got me all up in my feels and I loved it but I do see why two is your favorite yeah the one thing to say about the uh, new season or this new series is this is pretty much a prequel for the most Mm -hmm. part it is pretty much a prequel to Star Trek Um, John's headset's probably died (laughs) Uh, I'm going to take off my cat ears because the lights have turned off so give me a second 
Um, and that's what I really like about this. This is pretty much a prequel to the original Star Trek because you have younger uh, generations from the original Star Trek. You get to see, you know, the way they act, the way they are. Um, I am, I am totally digging this new one. I, I like this. Mm-hmm. It is a prequel to the original Star Trek series. So I'm all for it. This is uh, amazing. I yep. like seeing where the, these people are now and then knowing where they eventually end up. Correct. Oh yeah. Like, like seeing their growth now is like amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Knowing how badass these people are going to be, but them still having their doubts now yes. about themselves. Cadets yep. and such. Yeah, yes. I'm I'm really digging it. I think if you were to take and you have someone watch the original Star Trek and they start watching this, they're like, this is in the future, right? <laughs> I'm like, nope, this is a prequel. Nope. But no, it, it's it, it's okay. You don't have to make shit make stuff look old and shitty just because it's supposed to be a prequel. Yeah. Yep. Technology gets better. It's okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I I like it's it. Okay I, it's, to give the show upgrades. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I'm thoroughly enjoying this. Yeah. I, I wait for each new episode. No time at all. Cool. Uh, what's next, Gonzo? Uh, did you finish all of Moon Knight? We did finish all of Moon Knight. Yes. Okay, so let's go with Moon Knight because I held off on that one because I wanted to wait till you were in on this. I finished it. And I like the character. He's got great acting, but I want more. They're just, I think it was just too limited. Um, early on, I said to people a lot that I'm not sure it's good, but I'm interested. So I, I technically think that makes it good. Yes. But it wasn't like good, comfortable, good. It was like, this is interesting. I want to see where it goes. Uh, I'll be honest, the fifth episode fucking sold it. At that point, I was all in. The sixth episode was great, too. But the fifth episode was the feels, like, just straight in the feels. It was great. Yeah. It was it was really good. And I think I, I, think I talked with uh, Chris Sari about this or whatever, that that was the one episode that I actually had to stop and pause because there was a lot of triggering moments in there. Yeah. Yeah, and I was it's, like, it's not I had meant to, to be I, easy. Yeah, it's, and it's not, I, and it's I, not, and I'm okay with that. There was nothing wrong. I was like, oh, hold on, I, whoa, I gotta take a breath. Hats off to Disney for for they could easily fall into the formulaic bullshit. Yeah, um, but they didn't. They let it be its thing, and it's better for that. And yeah. I like where it ended. There's still some interest. Obviously, there's going to be a Moon Knight season two because it didn't even touch on things like his third personality well, they said they're not gonna they do showed one. oh they'll do it somewhere I, I i do believe that he's gonna make appearances in new marvel movies that's for sure i think he's likely to make it in the midnight sun style movie with blade and black knight i think so too um yeah xander i, I like that they didn't smash mcu cameos i wish they would have maybe talked about a couple of things instead but you know it, it could totally be its own standalone series and you wouldn't actually notice but no, I, I'm going to give it uh, one because the beginning was a little, it was interesting, but a little rough at points. It so was. I'm going to give it one, one space herpy. Uh, I'll go with you on that too. Um, there was some times it was like, man, I really wish I'd just see a lot more of Moon Knight and good fighting and combat, oh. but it wasn't and, about that. And Hippo Goddess is the best. Holy crap. Oh yeah. She was the amazing. Best. <laughs> 
some of the behind the scenes on that was pretty cool to see how that was done. Was pretty neat if you haven't seen it. Um, where they did those scenes, it was pretty good. So I barely have time to watch the series themselves. How am I going to watch behind the scenes? <laughs> it was just it was very interesting. Yes, um, right, so, I did watch a new series um, that I did I didn't get to talk about uh, called Outer Range. Uh, Outer Range, I believe it's on Amazon Prime. And is a modern day sci-fi esque type show. Pretty much what it is is there's these two ranches that have cattle and such, and Josh Brolin is in it, um, and they're having disputes, and Josh Brolin goes on this camp and he finds this giant void hole on his land, and um, there's some stuff that goes on. I don't want to spoil it, but there's some stuff that goes on and the void gets used for certain things. And he, you know, my dogs are going crazy now. Um, my, uh, and, uh, things start happening with the void and there's a lot of alternate type realities or alternate universes or time traveling going on. So it's kind of weird. Um, okay. it is very good though. It was really good. The characters are really good in it. Stories. You got to pay attention. Because it goes back and forth a lot. Uh, not so much that it's bad, but if you kind of like, wait, oh, hold on and rewind it, you might you might have to do it. But, I mean, I'm enjoying it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, it's only season one. Don't know if we're going to do season two. I hope we get a season two uh, because it was interesting enough. And uh, I would give season one probably like a one space RP because it did get a little, you know, like, oh, yeah, Out this there. is Yellowstone with a void hole. <laughs> type thing but it was interesting enough well i'm gonna rapid fire go through the stuff i saw half of okay i saw the ending of deadpool 2 still cool okay (laughs) i saw the first part of the mummy still awesome made me go out and buy the mummy when i was at the local uh used uh movie store so i bought the mummy Mummy returns on dvd i'm sorry you mean to tell me that you didn't own it already uh, the ex-wife took it in the divorce. Fair. Fair. I didn't I'll argue with her. One. She lo- she loves that movie very dearly. I'm like, you know, there's a couple things you can have. I'll give you that one. Yeah. Um, then I watched the first half of Free Guy. Very watchable. Very watchable. Uh, I might actually watch the whole thing again at some point. See, I didn't like the, f- the first half of Free Guy. I did. It was, it was fun to watch. Knowing what's going on, the fully... First half was super fun to watch. It was okay. The second also, half is where it got my attention. I was also stuck in a hotel, so I'm gonna keep that Fair. in mind. Uh, and then I watched the middle bit of uh, the Peacemaker, old uh, George Clooney Nicole Kidman oh. movie, which I love. I love that movie. That movie's good. I want to rewatch it because it is good, gritty. George Clooney's given a great performance. Nicole Kidman's great performance. And, uh, yeah, I want to rewatch that again. Uh, so that's, uh, all the ones I watched. I did mention the MacGyver. I won't be watching again. And then say, yes, of course, it's good to see, uh, lots of, uh, little, uh, little episodes of NCIS on cable whenever you, it's good, safe entertainment when you're in a hotel. <laughs> and then, uh, Friday, uh, the games for Micro Online were shit. So I went out and saw Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And? Uh, it was good. 
respectfully to those people who said it was the best Marvel movie ever, you fucking high. <laughs> uh, does not crap crack my top ten. But to be fair, my top ten is a fuck of a list. Uh, it was good. Uh, Sam Raimi. I love Sam Raimi. I think he tried to put too much of his own Evil Dead type shit in this. And many of the times he did, it took me out of the movie. Some of the things it did, I thought were really cool, suspenseful, and like, this is great. But he did some things, you're like, this is just fucking straight from when you did the Evil Dead dude fucking throttle back. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, but the, it's a lot, how should I put this? It, it's not necessarily a fully-fledged story. You should watch WandaVision before you see it, or at least understand what happened in WandaVision before you see it. That is a big part of it. Um, I feel that the story was probably solid. The direction was solid. The fucking actors carry this movie. Uh, like... Benedict Cumberbatch is fucking great. He carries it. I want to see him play Doctor Strange. I don't care how mediocre the story is. I enjoy watching Doctor Strange. Um, Guy who plays Wong. Fucking (laughs) great. Love seeing him play Wong. Um, uh, Elizabeth Olsen as uh, Scarlet Witch. Wanda is great. She she puts in a great performance. Um, All of the people who come in do a pretty great job. Um... I have some other problems with it. I'm not sure I want to mention them because they're spoilery. But I do have some other problems. And I do like the way it ends. For the most part. Um, I just feel that... I feel that if you took this story and hand it to the people who did the first movie, you would have had a better movie. I feel like Sam Raimi doesn't add anything good to the movie compared to what I think other act- directors could. And I feel at some points he actually actually detracts a little bit from the movie. Which is weird because we know he can do superhero movies. He did the Spider-Man movies, the first three. And those were all well-directed. None of his craziness made it in there. But this, since they're trying to do a slight horror vibe, he puts his shit in there and it's a little... Like I said, it takes me out of the movie a little bit. To control a video... <laughs> No idea where that came from. Uh, so I'm going to give it two. Two space herpes. I feel that might be a little bit harsh, but I feel fair. It's also one that might be better on a second watching. It is... People are claiming it's not Doctor Strange 2. It's actually all Wanda's story. While she has a big part in it, Doctor Strange's actual fucking character development it, at that point, it makes him his fucking his fucking movie, so it's all good. <laughs> uh, I look forward to them getting to do another movie because like I said, I enjoy the actors playing the parts in this movie and we'll watch them do whatever because they do a great job. And I think it's okay to be like that. Marvel can't swing and hit them all out of the park. They can't all be Endgame and Spider-Man No Way Home. They can't. You get The Eternals. You get Black Widow. You get this. It's okay. None of those movies are bad. I'm here to tell you. They're all going to have parts you like and parts you don't like. And we have to use the fact that 
the early level of Marvel movies was unfucking sustainable. <laughs> if you had told me coming out that you know, like look at the the if you look at the core Avenger ones, Iron Man, uh, the Incredible Hulk, Thor, Captain America, Iron Man two, into the Avengers. People will say that two of those, three of those movies are bad, but they're fucking crazy. Iron Man 2 is maybe one and a half space herpes, two maybe if you're really picky. But it's a good movie. The Incredible Hulk, upon rewatches, is a good movie. It's maybe it's one and a half, maybe two on a bad day. Thor is a good movie. And then Iron Man and Captain America are two of the best origin movies out there. But that whole level going after that, it, it's unsustainable. And people were expecting it. The Legionnaires, let's not get crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Thor 2 is... How about this? Thor 2 is the worst Marvel movie. And it's still that. a good movie. I would still give it about two. I, I don't feel like I can give it two and a half because that's really fucking harsh. But two. Iron Man 3, good movie. I would probably give it two it's got some parts i really like some parts that are a little crazy i mean if the worst movie you make is a two you know on our five point scale that's fucking great dc would love some of that success <laughs> so there you go uh, i'll give it a two comfortably i think it might change if i get ever to rewatch and i wouldn't pay for it again in the theater not that the theater was super expensive it was actually nice to get out me the mom and her two little kids who ended up showing up they were a little noisy but not so much as detracted from the movie so that's fine um but it might change and if it does change it would change upwards i can't imagine it changing downwards uh but i do look forward to talking to it with gonzo uh when uh bless him, when he finally sees it so we can talk about some spoilery stuff that i don't want to talk about now but i would say see it do you have to see it in a big screen? Unlike the first one, there is some cool visuals, but nothing like the first one that you have to see it in a theater. If you wanted to wait to Disney Plus, I think you'd be okay. But I would say it was not, it was worth my money in the theater. Yeah. Hands down, worth a matinee. There you go. Um, I wanted to go with one last one. Oh shit, I forgot to talk about the one I was going to talk about too. Fuck. We might go over, guys. I got one movie I got to talk about. Okay, let's go with yours then, because I'm going to give you a quick synopsis of, of Snake Eyes. Ready? One, two. Fuck this movie. Move on. Go next one. That movie sucked. Very well. It was a shitty uh, movie. <laughs> in honor of uh, Fred Ward passing, I watched Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins. Holy fuck. Um, that is a formative movie for me, and I don't didn't realize how much till I watched it this time. Now I've seen this movie many, 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 many times. It was on heavy cable rotation. I recorded it off cable. I bought it on. Uh, what's he talking about? Oh, re, re, okay. He's talking about uh, he's snake, snake eyes. eyes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> is it go time? <laughs> no, he's talking about snake tells, eyes. Most <laughs> tells the story of the titular Remo Williams, who is. Uh, a New York City cop and ex-Marine mm -hmm. who gets recruited to an organization to, um, as the one guy puts it, become the 11th commandment. Thou shalt not get away with it. <laughs> because, as they say, the you know this is a great country, but our legal system doesn't work like it should be. 
too many walk the the halls of power with impunity. At that point, I'm like, uh, uh, this is maybe a little too close politically for a movie that was made in the early 80s. Yeah. So uh, it's funny that, and basically the movie is, after the brief intro, is montages, which you normally see in one montage. They play out over little things with some character bits between the main characters. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the only characters you really need to know about are... There's um, Wilford Brimley playing the head of the organization. Yep. He's got a couple scenes. He's great, of course, Wilford Brimley. He looks really old for 50 in the movie. Um, there's the, I forget the guy's name, who plays uh, McClure, his his buddy who recruits him. Mm-hmm. Buddy. Uh, ends up dying part of the way through, unfortunately. He's enjoyable to watch. There is Remo. There is Chun, the master of Shenanju. Played very awkwardly by Joel Gray in Yellowface. It is. You could not do that today. No. Fuck no. No. You could not. Yeah. It is a product of its time. It's a little cringe nowadays. Yes. Um, that whole part's a little cringe. I would like to see a remake with an actual Korean actor. I think that would be great. Yes. Because isn't also, there like a hundred and some odd books based on Remo Williams? Oh, The Destroyer? Yeah, it's yeah. a whole book series. Yeah. Uh, and then we have Captain Janeway herself, Kate Mulgrew, playing uh, Major Rayner, who is an army uh, uh, army officer who's involved in the overarching plot of the movie. It's putting a little much on it, overarching. but <laughs> uh, And she's great. She has You can see why they chose her to be Captain Janeway, because she's got a great commanding presence when she wants to. She is mainly a damsel in distress, but she's witty when she needs to be and does not take any shit. Uh, you would believe that she is a major in the U.S. Army in the 80s. Which, if you think about that, is fucking impressive for a woman. So, uh, it's basically a whole bunch of little character scenes between Remo and Chun, where he's training him, interspersed with the main plot of uh, Mr. Grove, who has, you know, is basically... He's a bad person. He's a bad industrialist doing bad things. Um, and they're trying to catch him in that so that they can deal with him in the way they do, which is assassination. As Chun puts it, you know, assassination is the most uh, useful form of public service. <laughs> and the their thing whole is, thing is, is, even with the yellow face and, you know, the sexism and all that stuff, there's some lines in there that are amazing and oh, yeah. that are top notch that you're like, damn. And, and I always look, use that one whenever they're on the boat and they're going away. And he's like, Chung, you're amazing. You're amazing. No, no. I am better than that. Yes. <laughs> like if you get over the slight cringe of that, it is super fun. Yes. Enjoyable. Uh, a little heartfelt at that point, and it doesn't feel unearned. Uh, I would have loved for this. Like, nowadays, they would make this a TV series oh, like yeah. on Amazon Prime or something, and I would love to see it. They tried to make it a TV series in the 80s. They didn't. I'm actually thankful. It probably would have been fucking terrible. There's a pilot out there. I haven't watched it because I have standards, but uh, I love it. I'm going to. I have to give it to Space Herpes. Because it is sexist and a little bit cringe with the yellow face, but it is a fucking great fun time. Now float. Yes. 
There is a fun action scene on the Statue of Liberty. It's not actually on the Statue of Liberty, obviously. They'd be able to mock up, but that's ostensibly on the Statue of Liberty. It's just super fun. Yes. And it, there's nothing... This is a sit back, get your popcorn, and enjoy a movie type. You, If you like that kind of quirky fun, you will enjoy this movie. I suggest finding it. I don't know where it's streaming. I unshockingly own a DVD copy. And if I found a Blu-ray steel book of it, I would probably buy a Blu-ray steel book because I'm fucking crazy like that. Yeah. Like I said, this was a product of its time. It wasn't yeah. considered bad to do. I mean, it should have been considered bad to do at the time, but it wasn't. Yes. That's probably the biggest problem. Yeah. If you were to do it today, you would have to hire someone of that descent and, and you know, and do all that stuff um, because it's really, really good. And everybody says, like, the Destroyer series is a great series to read if you like it. If you I've like read a stuff. couple books. Let me just say, it's pulp. Expect oh, okay. pulp. Expect pulp of its time. A little bit sexist. Maybe a tiny bit um, tropey for all of its stuff. But super fun. I mean, I liked it. It's it still got some lines. I always, anytime someone says, hey, Gonzo, you're really awesome. I'm like, no, I am I better, better than that. <laughs> They're like, and honestly, what? And honestly, I like I, said, I enjoy the crap out of it. Um, would love to see a remake at Amazon Prime series, something like that. Or even a movie would be good. I might even pick up the books. I want some light fare. Yeah. I think it would do really, really good as a TV, as an hour long TV series type thing. I think it would work out really well. So. Alright, well guys, we went over a little bit. No big deal. It was something that was needed, especially for such a good movie and remembering a good actor. Um, guys, we will be sending you off to V. She's going to be doing some music. Um, give her some love. If you haven't followed her, make sure you follow her. Um, please take care of yourself. Please, please, please look after not only your physical, but your mental health. Uh, if you need someone to talk to automatically, you know, who you can go to, um, or everybody can reach out to anybody. Um, you know, want someone to paint with you, John, John, you know, he does a hobby streak every night. <laughs> we might, I've actually given some thought to making a small discord, not a big one, just so I can get on hobby streak and chat with people while they're painting. We get the time together. Yeah. Uh, if you think that's a good idea, hit us up on Facebook, send us a message or something. Let us know you think it's a good idea so we can see. I had a blast whenever um, Banyan and I did it that one night before Adepticon, and I was like, yep. this was really good. So, um, please take care of yourself. Please wash your hands, wear your mask if you're still out there, and uh, we hope to see you soon for more than yep. dice. I'm Gonzo. I'm John. I'm Izzy. Good night. No matter how much you beg, unfortunately, I don't think Missy will be back next week. I think it's going to be Kathy. I think so, too. I, I would like for it to be Kathy. <laughs> <laughs>